the day we're recording this uh-huh. is the three-year anniversary of when we adopted Fiona. <gasps> oh my goodness. Happy gotcha day. It's a gotcha day, yeah. That's amazing. Are yeah. you doing anything to celebrate? We took her to Petco this afternoon and we had like a family walk and took her to Petco. Oh, <laughs> you're like anything you want, baby. Pick yeah. out anything you want. She, yeah, so the, I don't know. I'm just saying, so, isn't that a nice thing? That's what a, a sweet very little thing. Nice thing. My little girl. Oh. Hi, Jillian Benzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Fam, I would really like for you to join us on the Patreon. I'm going to give you some reasons. Oh, you're asking nicely and giving incentive. I, yeah. I really like it. We're doing all these new things. So we're doing Patreon happy hours. We're yeah. doing drag bingo. Yes. We're doing cocktail classes. We have a magician that we are flying in from Chicago. Oh we're going to do it in person, you and me. And we're going to do it uh, over Zoom for everybody at the $5 level and above. It's an hour-long show. Great. We're going to do some magic. I'm also doing watch parties now. I don't know if I'm going to do them for forever, but on okay. Sunday nights at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, I'm doing watch parties for all of the Love Has Won and I'm going to do them for all of the Natalia Grace episodes. That's a twofer because we're doing two for one. I know. It's kind of a long night but then at the end I sent out a Zoom link and those who want to like get on and chat about it afterwards this is not a Patreon thing. This is a Facebook group thing. Anyone in the Facebook group can join the watch parties. And so all the the chatting is going on like uh, in a Facebook post? Is that that simple? We send out the chat link and that's how we do it. We had over 400 people in the last one. Oh my god, amazing. I know. Love love has one. Love really has one. Well, depending on who you ask. We're just trying to get together with the community and like be around. So join the Facebook group, join the Patreon. On Patreon, you also get over like 400 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right now. Yeah, so it's the ad-free versions of these episodes that you're hearing right now. Yeah. And then also like our bonus episodes that we do, they're all on there. Yes. Ad-free. And then like the series. So like Love Has One and Natalia Grace. I and... mean, the Natalia Grace of it all is yeah. so wild. Wild crime, the 12th victim, bad vegan, all that stuff that's like several episodes. My favorite part of the watch parties now is I'll be like, oh my God, Jillian gets really mad at this part. <laughs> and they're like, we can't wait. Well, with Love Has One. I <laughs> They're the ones who aren't full of love. It's not. No, I'm trying. It is so culty, fam. If you have not heard our coverage, go check They're it out. So mad. What are we talking about today? So this is a documentary called "The Dolly Madison Murders." Okay. To the west is a bank. Caddy Corner is a McDonald's. If you're gonna rob someplace, I would think somewhere other than a day old bread store, we could literally walk in at that time and buy three loaves of bread for a dollar. And then not even take all the money in the register. Two decades and no arrests after two women were murdered inside the Dolly Madison Bakery in Great Bend. The general public that was there, were, were, of course, they were they were concerned. So is this blood back here? That's not blood. That can't be blood. Yes, it is. It was 360 degrees from what you're seeing right there. You know, somebody got away with a homicide. It happens. And 20 years later, they've got away with it so far. They just let it sit. They just didn't do it. Why the hell are you not? Why in the hell are you not? This guy's probably walking past us every day. He could be in the store with us. I have some questions. Sure. Dolly, so the Dolly Madison murders, I didn't know that it was a bakery. I was like, Dolly Madison, was she a first lady? No. Well, yes. Was she? Yes. Dolly was her name? Yes. Is that what the bakery is named after? Y- not really. Okay. It's like, it, no, not. Hero Bell for me. <laughs> I was making a joke. Yeah. Dolly All Madison, right. she was, yeah, she was a. The, Ab- the Abigail Lincoln murders? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. And you also thought that it was a Playboy I situation. Was, or what's that website where they try to get you to cheat on your spouse? Ashley Madison. Okay, see, you can yeah. understand the gay confusion. I know. We are also doing the Playboy murders. We're going to do episodes of that because it's 
excellently yeah. done. It's a really good series, so we'll, you'll see that soon. But no, this is the Dolly Madison murders. Totally different thing. Well, the, our victims here are Mandy Alexander and Mary Drake. Those are the two women who are killed. I want to like honor and love and respect them. Yes. And I want to give it up to this director. What's his name? Aaron Mull. Look, look, I love the guy for getting it done. It's from his hometown. He just wants it to get solved. Yeah, well, it's an unsolved double murder. Yeah. And we have to get to the bottom of it. And it's very solvable. And um... the cops, well, the cops messed up. It could have been very solvable. Yes. Like, it's very solvable in the sense of that like if it had been handled correctly they could have solved it I mean and it's also like did we solve it? I've got some questions. Like, yeah. I'm a little bit like, wait, I think we found the like, guy. Like, is it a cover-up? We'll see. I know. So, Aaron Mull is our director and narrator. Yeah. And we're in Great Bend, Kansas. And Aaron grew up here. He grew up 250 feet away from the crime scene, which is a bakery, by the way. It's the yes. Dolly Madison Bakery. Which is like, I felt like you know the Dolly Madison Bakery or something. I, I didn't know anything okay. about it. I had to look up that it I was like, the Dolly Madison, like, what is that? I thought maybe it was a name of our of a victim uh-huh. or a name of a perpetrator or something. Yeah. I don't know, but I was like, oh, okay, it's a bakery. Cool. The Dolly Madison murders, yeah. But yeah, he grew up with this story. I've grown up with this story. I've never forgotten this story. And I've always wondered why nobody has told this story on a larger scale. And so that's what I'm setting out to do. I have waited for you for years. You know, I I always thought if I could just find somebody to be on board with this thing with me, and here you are. The people who know the victims, the people who live in this town, they say, like, we've been waiting for you. Like, we we need someone to tell the story because they've been screaming about it and the cops aren't really listening to them. Yeah, it's a very frustrating situation because the cops don't want to take any accountability here. No, they certainly don't. You know, and it feels like there's, like, the family, I mean, we we get a scene of one of the family members, like, screaming at the cops. It's awesome. It is pretty awesome. It's kind of cathartic. It's kind of awesome. I know. So, uh, one of our victims is Mandy Alexander and we have some of her friends here and some of her family and they're telling us all about her that she was bubbly and happy-go-lucky and really sweet and maybe it took her a little bit to warm up to you but when she did yeah. she was like super fun and super happy and then someone says and she really loved her two kids yeah. and that was when I instantly burst into tears I know she loved them she was so so good to them I had no idea she like that's the moment we find out she has children right right like oh my god so Connie is here and Connie is one of Mandy's friends and she tells us something very very important Mandy was in a very abusive and controlling relationship and it seems like Connie's telling us that that's kind of the kind of men that Connie was always with. Yeah. So she says that Mandy was, quote, beat down mentally. Like this yeah. boyfriend was pretty horrific. And Mandy was with him a few years before she was killed. And as an example of like how this guy treated her. We walked in to this pool parlor, whatever. He was sitting with some guys. She went up to him to talk to him. He, he, didn't, he wouldn't even look at her. Wouldn't acknowledge her wouldn't nothing he was not a good person she was very submissive in her relationships guys walked on her guys walked all over her mandy was very submissive in her relationships and then but her friends are saying like that's true but on the other side of the coin when she wasn't in these relationships she was like the mandy we we knew and loved right like she would cut loose she would have fun like it was a very obvious shift like when she was in with a bad guy you could tell and when she wasn't she was feeling amazing about herself and it's sad because she kind of has just managed to get out on her own like she just got her own little apartment with her kids yeah and we learn like it's like within weeks of her sort of like making that big bold step in her life is when she's murdered so yeah it was like a week later yeah travel down the road back again 
Girl, Magic Spoon is back. I just saw this copy and I screamed because I love Magic Spoon. We stock our house with it. Get this. I'm going to give you some stats on the cereal. Please. The cereal is zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. It's only 140 calories per serving. Yeah. Also, it's high protein. Yeah. Zero has zero grams of sugar, which we mentioned, but also it's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free. And it's soy free. I Are know. you kidding? And it's delicious. Have I mentioned that? And it's a time machine. Exactly. You know I love a time ah. machine. Let's go back. It tastes like the cereal that you used to have when yes. you were a kid. Yes. Right? So the variety pack has four flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. Yeah. Just go back to your childhood. Remember those cereals you used to have when you were a yeah, kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can have them with zero sugar and all the protein. Yes. That's the thing. Like, cereal has this, like, negative connotation. No. This is, like, my favorite way to start the day. It makes me feel like, I don't know, like I'm doing something good for myself first thing in the morning, and it's delicious. I cannot say it enough. Magic spoon, magic spoon, magic spoon. I'm obsessed. Yeah, fruity is my favorite. Thank you. Oh, you looked me right in the eye when you you said I did. that. I didn't even realize how uh, ding that Fru- sounded, but fruity <laughs> is definitely my favorite flavor. So fam, go to magicspoon.com slash TCO to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code TCO at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. If this is you, get in the Facebook group because I got to find out what you didn't like. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash TCO and use the code TCO to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode and for sponsoring all of my mornings. Yes, and for bringing back our childhood. I could eat a whole box like in a day. I know. I- I've done Breakfast, it. lunch, and dinner. Three I- meals, you're done. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> The day of the murders, Dawn is Mandy, our victim's stepsister. Yes. And she picked up Mandy's oldest daughter at preschool. And so she's taking them, like Dawn, the stepsister, is like taking the girls to the bakery for for a snack and to see their mom, like before they go on with the rest of their day. And she says, like, that was the last time they got to see each other. Like, it's so fucking sad. And so we learn right here that Mandy had only been working at this bakery for three days. Like, after three days, because we learned that she was closing the bakery, right? But on her own. And if you've ever had a food service job, like closing the restaurant, closing the coffee shop, closing the ice cream store, like, there's a lot of work to be done at the end of the shift. like, after three days, yeah. a new employee is left alone to close. Like, she hasn't worked there a week, and no one is with her? No, because we are told from the manager, this is kind of my issue with the documentary, is that so many of these interviews are told over, like, Skype calls. You don't see the person. You hear, it's hard to hear what they're saying. But we are told that there was a, a woman who was supposed to come in and close that night who worked there a lot longer, and she called out sick. And so Mandy, on her third day, had to stay alone. And the manager tells us she was doing fine, and I took the money to like the bank to the bank and then I was like I'm gonna go now and if you have any problems just give me a call yeah and it's interesting because like so yeah Mandy was covering but we when the employee is here she says I wasn't going to be able to work that afternoon to the evening because of a freak accident that happened to my husband at the time otherwise I would have been there that night it saved my life and it's haunted me ever since right now I'm getting goosebumps it still bothers me after all these years it saved my life and it's haunted me ever since. So like something was going on that day. Yes. Like that jarred me too. And it's none of my business. And if she doesn't want to say it, that's fine. But yeah. like a freak accident with her husband. Like I hope everything's okay with her, with this woman too. It sounds like a tractor fell on him. Right. You know but, what I but mean? But she like, yeah, something absolutely something horrible. Crazy. And then, but she also on top of whatever she was dealing with that day, now she has the survivor's guilt because she was supposed to work. I mean, and that is like, I, survivor's guilt should, we should take that word out of the lexicon. Like 
that should not be a thing that should exist no. or that anyone should ever have to deal with. Yeah. You I don't know? know what else to call it right now. I, well, I'm not blaming you. I don't think you didn't make it up. I didn't. And I totally understand. Like, if it were me, can you imagine? I like, know. like I, I, I can't imagine that. No. So the day of the murders, and quick note, they, they don't tell us the date, but it's September 4th. 2002. I had to like, look it up. Director, that's a, a pretty simple, a pretty simple thing to just Aaron. put on some on-screen text. Like I get it. <laughs> um, but I also, mean? thank you for doing this. We need people to make these documentaries because the, the family and the town and like the survivors are like they need this. I was gonna make fun of it for being on Tubi, but then I realized you and I are in two documentaries that are on. Tubi. It's also on YouTube. You could buy it in other yes. places. I was giving a plug for our documentaries. GB. Oh yeah, that's right. We were in the Ted Bundy one, and we were in the um, Menendez brothers and the one. Menendez brothers one. Yeah, I think they cut out all my grandstanding about how they should not be in prison anymore. <laughs> They made me, they wanted me to be the sassy gay talking head in the Ted Bundy one. So I said all of the, I said stuff like so sassy and so gay in a way that I wouldn't usually say it. And they were, everyone was laughing and they didn't use any of it. Oh. They cut all my sassy gay stuff to be, to be or not to be. <laughs> to be. To, be. <laughs> to not. Sorry. I had no. to. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. We, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sorry. But you can, sometimes you just have sometimes to. Sometimes you kind of walk right it into it. That's okay. <laughs> So the day of the murder, it's September 4th, 2002. Yeah. And at 5 p.m., Mandy was doing great at the bakery, right? Yeah. She's covering for this person. It's a lot of responsibility. By 5.20 p.m., manager Carol leaves to make a deposit at the bank, heads home, and she's like, hey, please do not hesitate to call me. Everything's going great. Awesome, right? So shortly before 8 p.m., around 7.55, the delivery driver had stopped at the bakery to make a delivery. He was shot because the stores uh, usually open. I locked on the front door, so he had to use his key to go in through the garage door. He just walked back in there and looked around, and all of a sudden he walked around the doorway and there was, you know, two bodies laying on the floor in a pool of blood, and he just freaked out like anybody would. A truck driver for Dolly Madison Bakery arrives and discovers the bodies of Mandy Alexander, who was the employee, and Mary Drake, who's much older than Mandy. Yeah, he finds them in the back office, which is another detail that gets sort of skirted past. I get the sense that that's important, that I don't know if the killer made them go into the office and kill them there or if he killed them somewhere else and put them there. Yeah, because remember... The manager took the money. Yes. So if this is a, a robbery gone wrong and the guy's like, get into the back room, like, yep. give me everything in the register. And Mandy's like, I can't. Like, our manager took it a few hours ago. Yep. And then leads them into the back room. And then, you know, they've seen too much or there or whatever. Like, it's just then it gets even more tragic. And it's awful. He calls. He, like, freaks out, they say. He calls the cops at 7.55 p.m. And we learn that the homicides would have been committed between 5.15 and 6 o'clock p.m. Yeah, because there are two receipts with transactions that the cops aren't able to account for. So, yeah. like, who are these people and what the hell happened? But they tell us that time is rush hour in this part of town. And, of course, this is when they walk us through the direction of every single street. The West 10th Street. It goes north and east, and right. then the railroad tracks go do wet. It's we, like, the oh my point God. is, it's five fifteen. Yeah, between five fifteen and six, it's rush hour. It's a super busy time for that stretch of road that the bakery's on, and it's also right near a highway. Right, so people are coming on and off, and there's a set of railroad tracks that run diagonally through the thoroughfare. And the point is that like somebody should have seen or heard something, and nobody did. But is it also a situation where it's too busy? Like yeah, there's too yeah. much going on. Totally. Like how could you possibly notice something because there's a train coming? diagonally through a highway or whatever. You know, like, it might be a situation where it's like, there's... I I love in your brain, I can see it in your brain what that looks like. Yes. Yes. That's usually what's going on in my brain. I know. Anyway, welcome to the ADHD world. Um, but, like, maybe it's just too busy. Yes. Maybe it was the perfect place because no one's gonna notice anything else. But, you know, we, we get this at some point, I'll just say it here, like, I don't think it was a robbery. If you're gonna rob, why are you gonna rob a bank, a 
bakery. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. Like in a, in the era of checks and credit cards, like why would you run? There's not going to be any money there. Yeah, I, I I have no idea. So the cops are called. The EMTs are called. The Kansas Bureau of Investigation is called. And Dean is here. He's a retired cop. Yeah. And he was six and a half hours away at an FBI National Academy meeting at the Lodge of Four Seasons. <laughs> now it's not the Lodge at the Four oh, Seasons. Oh, I was like fancy place for your meeting, coppers. No, no, no. It's totally different. I'm sure oh, they. Shit. I'm sure they love that confusion though. <laughs> yeah. No Lodge, but it's Lodge of Four Seasons. Google it. It's is it like thing. the Four Seasons lawnmower and plumbing or whatever? Basically, where like Rudy did it. Yes, it's a little bit. Do you all remember that moment? That the was Four wild. Seasons and landscaping. Yes. Yes. That was insane. That really was. It just when you think the world can't get Doesn't weirder, that, and he did it. I and that was the one where he had like the hair dye dripping down his face. Or was that that might have been after that? It was all the same fever dream. Yeah, I mean it was all a fever dream. But the, those two or three days in particular. We're kind of like, what that is guy going used to on? run New York City. He used to be America's in charge. Mayors, what they call them. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Jesus Christ! I know. <laughs> I know. Four Seasons landscaping and plumbing, or I whatever. Mean, I can't like, get enough. But they had to do it. I know because they couldn't be caught. Being like, no, uh, oh, oh, we made a mistake. Uh huh. No. So there's like tires everywhere, and <laughs> yes. just like, yes. it was ridiculous. <laughs> Look it up if you forgot about it. Because there are things about that moment in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I was like, oh, which one was Scaramucci again? I like, remember, remember right, him? Of course. You know, like, but there, there, there are definitely things that like come in and out of your yeah. brain and your memory because it was all oh, so really? wild. Like every morning, I would have this like dread of like, what now? Like looking at my. Phone phone like what happened now <laughs> what now Scaramucci. so anyway so dean plus the chief plus the kansas fbi guy they're all like we got to get on top of this yeah but then they like split up and all do different things the problem is like there are like immediately the public is alerted that something is going on because yeah. it's like a small town everybody knows everybody the public is there including the family members of the victims mm -hmm. and like everyone is just saying it was chaos down here tom yeah like one of the reasons why this hasn't been solved is because the cops will say we did everything by protocol we right. roped it off and nobody came and went but everybody else who was there was like I sat on the north end of that block and that whole time that we sat there watched people go in and out in and out in and out that door and I could never figure out why that wasn't blocked off why were so many people walking in and out that door Nobody seemed to know what they were doing or who was in charge. Right, because we have an anonymous police officer, their yeah. voices disguised, and they're like, yeah, uh, basically we were all just told to keep busy for a little bit. Yes. My job was, I guess, to uh, secure the scene, and then I did, and that was kind of it. So yeah. we do have a cop who was there saying, in addition to not being roped off and everyone being chaos down there, Tom, it was also like no one was really even given orders of like how to organize this at all. Everyone yeah. was just kind of there and be like, let's hold tight and just look busy, like what? And even the cops now are like, no, 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 that's not true at all. And then crickets, they don't offer any... Right. So what actually happened? So what did you actually do? Right. What actually was done? Now, Dale Hogg is a, the manager of the Great Bend Tribune. Yes. And he's like, rumors were fine. Of course. And the public was concerned. And he's like, we all had a lot of questions and it was just a creepy evening. Yeah. It was a creepy feeling because it all felt like, why are we all like milling around? Like, yes. why isn't anybody doing anything? Right, exactly. This feeling of just being here like stagnant, like the air is really heavy. Like, why why aren't uh -huh. we moving on this? 
Girl, Rocket Money is back. I love this app. I'm going to remind the fam. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. You know, fam, listening right now, you yeah. have things that you want to unsubscribe from. You think about it in the middle of the night when you wake up from uh-huh. those stress streams and you don't know how to do it, but Rocket Money is going to help you do it. Because you have to sign up for everything. You I can't know. look at a website without logging in or making a thing. So with Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. You can see everything you don't want. You yep. can cancel with one one tap, and you never, my favorite part, never have to get on the phone with customer service. This is my favorite part because it's wild. They're going to bat for you, fam. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you gotta do is take a picture of the bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Yeah, they know how to speak the language. It's wild. Everyone, I mean, they make the subscriptions hard to get out of. That's the whole point. What was the meeting where Janice was like, hey, I got an idea to make this even better. Yeah. We can get people some money back. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Loving you. And Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. That is crazy. It's so good. Fam, stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. That's rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. Rocketmoney.com slash obsessed. Why? What took us so long to think of this? You're never going to get an email again that's like, thanks for your automatic renewal. That is now we meet Amy. She works at the smoke shop next door. So yeah. the smoke shop shared a wall with the bakery. And the cops talked to her and she says, We usually both stalked at the same time. And supposedly when that happened, I was hearing dragging noises. It wasn't out of the ordinary. It sounded like when they were pulling their bread carts over there. You know, same thing you hear every night. And then... I don't know. I've heard weird gurgling noises, but we had a lot of problems with raccoons behind the store. And She heard the sounds of these women being killed and then literally dying and being moved. And she didn't know that's what that was, because why would she? Why would she? And of course, she feels incredibly guilty and yeah. horrible about it now. But she's saying, like, it kind of just sounded the same. And Normal. so now, now people are like, well, how would someone know that? Like, yeah. how would someone know what the familiar sounds were? Like, did they know anything about the bakery? Like, who could have done that? We also, I can say here that, like, they never officially released what the murder weapon was, but it's described as a sharp object. These women weren't shot. No. So it's not like Amy next door didn't hear the gunshots or did and made some excuses right. for what they were. Yeah. They were stabbed. Right. And so, yeah, like, you know, the cops aren't saying much. They're not telling the families anything. We cannot say anything else at this time. Meanwhile, yeah. it's like, you know, nothing was blocked off. People were coming and going. Then you cut to Dean and he's like, I don't know what you mean. Everything was perfectly sealed off and nothing was contaminated. I'm like, I know. Dean, we got to meet in the middle. Because if every single person is saying one thing and you're saying, like, the truth is somewhere in the middle, Dean. And, and the other thing too is we see a lot of footage from the time but I can't tell if it's actual footage or recreated footage if it's actual footage I agree with you that the truth actually is somewhere in the middle because it's not like the tens of people that all the witnesses are saying were coming and going but it isn't roped off there's no caution tape anywhere and there is a a certain amount of non-urgency yes you know what I mean that that we're seeing in this archival footage right there is however one witness yes and here's the witness's story the witness was walking up to the bakery presumably to go in and have yes. some delicious treats. He sees a man... <laughs> you love a bakery. Do you love a, a breaded treat? The smell I know. of a bakery? I know. My husband I lives have, for bread products. I have no word. Like, I, I know. 
know. When you walk into a bakery. I know. Yeah. Oh, I, like. I know. I know. It always smells like croissants, hot chocolate, and coffee. Yeah. And I'm not even the biggest like dessert person. I'm, I'm very much into savory things. Yeah. But like you give me like a perfect tiramisu, a rainbow cookie. Yeah. Like, or just like, ooh, what's that? Like it all looks so beautiful and colorful. Or just, ooh, what's ooh, that? Like, you just walk ooh. in and you're like, oh, that, and it's always like a little chilly. Yeah. And it just sm- <laughs> it's like it's a time machine. Walking yeah, into yeah, a bakery yeah. is, for me is a time machine oh because that either means that like my parents were having a party or we were going to a party uh-huh. because uh-huh. we were getting stuff to bring. <laughs> if you can see her face, fam, she's it is a time. It, get her it's in that DeLorean machine. and bring her back. Like an Italian bakery. Oh my god, it's the best. <laughs> it's so good. But also just like fresh bread for sure. Like yeah. Ashley used to live next to a bakery that specialized in bread. Oh wow. Going at let me tell you. All right. Okay, great. Uh so he's going up to the bakery. As he was walking up, this man came out of the bakery with a set of keys. He walks out has the keys, turns, and locks the door. He told the customer they were closed and walked away. And so this guy tells our witness, hey, sorry, like, come back come back next time, you hear? Like, yeah. we're closed, so sorry about this. And the guy's like, the witness is like, oh, okay. Yeah, and the witness is able to make a composite sketch based off of his description. So we'll get back to this in a minute. This is very weird to me. So here's the description. White male, 30 to 35 years old, about 6'1", 6'2", about 175 pounds. Yeah. Light brown or, like, blondish hair, had a beard, yeah. was wearing a faded black T-shirt, blue denim shorts, and a baseball cap. Like, yeah. very kind of basic, right? Right. It's like what everybody in this town looks like, I guess. Yeah. And, or just like, just like a guy. Yeah. Like a guy wearing a t-shirt and, you know. Well, we, we are going to be led to believe that everybody in town was wearing that exact same outfit that day. Uh, we'll get there uh, okay. in just a minute. But also, there was blood on the sh- on his shoes. Right. The guy who was locking the door being like, so sorry, we're closed. They were able to track his blood. Like, he walked to the end of the parking lot and then the trail stopped. So he must have gotten into a car. Yeah. But I'm like... Is there a footprint? Are we testing it? Like, right. whose blood is it? I know there's a murder scene, but I want to know every single thing about this blood. Whose is it? Especially is if it there's not with something else? a lot of other evidence anywhere. Like, this is kind of the only evidence they ever have, but we don't even know if they have it or like, not. Like, where is this evidence? Right. What's the deal? I want to know every single thing about it. Yeah. So there's an ATM camera that's pointed in the direction that the witness says the guy was walking. It's only able to see the man up to the waist. So, like, again, like, this guy, like, comes, commits a double murder and, like, walks away scot-free. And, like, gets in a car and now he's in the wind. Yeah, and just gone. So, we haven't heard a lot about Mary Drake yet, who's yeah. our other victim, but we, so her granddaughter is here, and Mary Drake was the freaking coolest. Yes. And it was always so exciting to go to Grandma's, because we'd get to stay up late, she'd let us watch Saturday Night Live, and we'd always get popcorn and Pepsi, and <laughs> we were always excited to be at Grandma's. You get Pepsi and popcorn and you can watch SNL. It was very, very fun for all the kids yeah. to be like, oh, we're going to Grandma Mary's tonight, like party time. And also, the thing that it takes them too long to tell us about Mary, she was just happened to be coming in to like get pick up an order. Yeah. So Mandy worked there. Mary Drake was just a customer, a customer who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly. Like, it's so awful. So the community is living in fear, obviously, yeah. right? There are no leads. No one has any idea who did this. It happened seemingly in front of thousands of people because remember, it was rush hour. I 
think on a very a, busy thoroughfare. You make a good point about that. It was too. They keep saying, "How could nobody see anything?" And you're like, "Because everyone's seeing everything." And you're driving on the highway. You yeah. have your eye on the road. You got that diagonal crossed. train. You're, you're, yeah, you're making sure you have your head on a swivel. Is the diagonal train coming, <laughs> or there's like the the like whistle of the train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, the no. fact that there were like ten roads intersecting. Yeah. Like, of course, no one would notice. Of course, it's also we learned there's an Applebee's on that block, and it's like you're you are having the internal struggle. Like, am I stopping again for happy hour at Applebee's, are or am getting I getting the app sample? Do you know or what not? I mean? It's like there's a lot of things twirling and swirling in your mind. Can I just say something, please? As like a general, just yeah. a thought. Yeah. If we're going out to dinner, yeah, at any place, sure. could be Applebee's. I don't care where it is. I've been to dinner with you many times. Preferably, it's Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> Hula hands. We're getting appetizers. Of always. You and I, in fact, when we went out to <sighs> dinner in Charlotte before our Charlotte show last year, yeah, we got so many appetizers that by the time the steak came, we couldn't eat it. Right. We did. <laughs> but like. We're getting apps, yeah, no? Yeah, of course. Or like something The spinach dip is going to serve itself, though. You got to order that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Especially if we're going to Applebee's and you're sitting at that enormous table of with course. the booth that's kind of bouncy, a yeah. Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> if we're not getting an appetizer, yeah. at least two or three for the table, mm-hmm. I don't know. Then, then I, I have I to come? leave. I know. And I'm not even making an excuse to no. leave. I'm you're going to be gonna Amy say, from Love Has One. You're going to get up, walk out of the restaurant, and walk out of your goddamn life. I'm going to go find people who are going to have apps with me. Totally. That's, Maybe that's what Amy was doing. I, it wasn't. No. <laughs> no, she was going to start a cult. She's you're right. Start a cult. Um, I just want the apps. Oh I think God. apps are so much fun. For the table? Come on. I agree. Any restaurant. Okay. So we learned that crimes like this are very rare in Great Bend. This defense attorney, Marty Keenan, says, You know, murderers were very rare. Maybe, maybe one a year, and it might be like a love triangle or something like that. And it'd be solved right away. This deal was just wild, unbelievable, and and it's, that's not who we are. Usually be a love triangle, real easy to solve. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My God. Like, but they're wondering, was this person local? Yes. Was it someone passing through? Because they just had this big Labor Day carnival. So was it someone who came from out of town and then like stayed or what? Can I say one really sad thing that we learned here? Yeah. Mandy's sister, Desiree, tells us this horrible thing that she says, I've had to tell all of my nieces and nephews that one of their parents isn't coming home. Mandy was murdered. Before that, both her brother and sister were killed in separate car accidents. Oh my God. She's had to tell every one of her niece and nephews that one of their parents has died. That is horrifying. That is just like Desiree. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know. Ugh. And like 20 years later, they still don't know the answer. Like no one slipped up. No one bragged about it. So that's also why well, the cops are like, well, maybe it was, it was someone passing through. Like they don't know anyone here. That's the thing that always gets me is that like if you commit a murder with another person, someone is saying something to somebody someday. Right. If this person committed the murder on their own, then and they were just able to keep it to themselves. They say that's also really rare. It Maybe the person died. We don't know. We don't know. But also maybe the person wasn't from the area and was just passing through. Like we do learn that the Memorial Day person parade was the day before and it's like one of the biggest events that happens in the entire state right. of Kansas. and people come from all over. Yeah. The thing is it attracts people from the state that are coming to enjoy the carnival but also the people who work with the carnival who are just in town for a short time as well. Yeah, passing through. Yeah. It's like, so they don't really have a connection to the town so then they wouldn't brag maybe because or like this is, is why the story can just yeah. sort of go somewhere else. It is a town where everybody knows everybody. You know what right, I mean? So right, the right. fact that the witness doesn't recognize the person does kind of say something. Yeah. So here are some facts that we know. The keys to the store were never found. The keys to the bakery. No weapon was found. 
And the cops like never officially said what the murder weapon was other than it being, quote, a sharp object. Yes. So law enforcement is saying, oh, these were random murders. Now, the family members are saying, when it comes to Mandy, at least. It was personal. I know how my sister was killed. The only thing holding her head on was her spinal cord. I don't think anyone, I don't care who you are, is just going to lay down and, and let you murder him. So I guarantee the younger person had to give him hell. And Mandy fucking fought really, really hard. Mandy was basically decapitated. So this was a, a person, there was like a, it was a rage killing, it seems like. So Mandy's family's like, and she had dangerous men in her life. So like, maybe we should look at that. And my question is like, where's the DNA? Yeah. Like, how did the killer not leave DNA? Especially since there are so many signs that point to the fact that Mandy fought so hard. Well, like, what's going on? They say that like, you can't kill somebody, two people so violently with a knife and not accidentally cut yourself at some point. Or like, remember with the- Scratch marks yeah, or anything? The Candy and Betty story where it's like scratch marks or a fingerprint right. somewhere. Like there was so much blood everywhere. Like this is another thing that points to the fact that the cops just didn't work the scene effectively. Yeah, there had to be something there, but it's just not. I mean, definitely footprints in the blood in the store. It would be impossible for there not to be. And if we saw the blood that our witness saw of the guy of some guy being like, no, sorry, we're closed by. Yeah. They tracked the blood to a car because the, the tracks just like disappeared. Right. So like what happened to that blood? And, you know, we also learned that Great Bend is like a great, it's a, you know, described as a beautiful town, great place to raise your family, but there is a meth problem. Yeah. And so there are rumors. This is the problem when the cops don't tell you anything and they haven't done a good job, like, taking care of the crime scene, rumors are just rampant. And so one of the rumors is that the killing is drug related. Right. And so the cops are wondering that maybe Mandy was supposed to testify in a drug case and her family's like, what are you talking about? I know. Like, one, she wouldn't do that. And two, if she did, like, she wouldn't be able to hide it from us. There was no reason for her to testify. Like, what are you... She's not wrapped up in some big drug case. And isn't... Like, if she was, isn't there an easy enough way to find that out? Wouldn't the prosecutor have to come forward and tell you that? Right. And so, like, the family really wanted to set the record straight. Like, she wasn't involved in anything like that. And this is distracting you from the actual case about what happened to our family member. So let's let's not. And now we learn about Mandy's ex-husband, Robert Cobble. And people said that maybe he had something to do with it. And maybe he had something to do with selling drugs. And he was in prison at the time. Right. And she's terrified of him. Yeah, and this is where we get a really insane story from Mandy's mom, Karen. She tells us that the KBI, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, had taken Mandy's car to process it for evidence, Mm -hmm. right? The way that you do that. And they had had it for days and days, and they call Mandy's mom, and they tell her that she can come and pick it up. So Mandy's mom is driving it home, and she's like, I was driving east, the sun was in my eyes, I pulled the visor down, and a fucking letter in an envelope falls out. From Robert, who is in prison. So I read the letter and he was telling about a boyfriend. If she had a boyfriend, then he would see to it that he got murdered. Something that important. And they'd had her in car for days to go through everything. And there yet was that letter. I almost didn't turn it in to him. Threatening her, saying that while I'm in prison, if I find out that you have a boyfriend, I will make sure that he is murdered. Now, how is that letter still in the car? They processed, the KBI processed this car for like four days. They didn't pull the, no, they did nothing to it. Right. They just held it for four days. Yes, They yes. did nothing. Because why would you not, the vise, like what? Like, of course you would find that. Even if you're doing a half-assed job of it, you'd be like, oh, I looked in the visor. I didn't uh-huh. see, like, it's so obvious. But, what were you doing for four days? And then Mandy's mom turns it into the cops against her better judgment. She's like, I almost didn't even turn this into them. But then I it's know. like, so then what did they do with that? Did they question the guy? Right, like what is going on? So 
There's this other quote lead that I'm saying loosely. Yeah. There was a guy who supposedly checked into a hotel next door to the bakery. Right. And he fits the description that the witness gave, right? White male, 30 to 35, 6'1", 175 pounds, that light brown, blondish kind of hair. Yeah. He checked in the day of the murder. And when he checked out the next day, he shaved his head. Right. Like his hair was still in the motel room. And I'm like, did anyone keep or test the hair? No? Great. No. <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Amazing news. But this is suspicious. Yeah. Why are you sh- like? It's just a. It's just, let's let's a- let's talk to the guy. And when director Aaron uh, he gets an interview with the KBI and he asks them about this man and they decline to comment. They won't talk about it. Which is kind of like I mean, is he a person of interest? At least do we know who he is, or did he is he just gone? Right. And in addition, this same guy who shaved his head, there was a, some rumor, and I'm like, oh god, a rumor. I know that the front desk person at the motel saw the guy that the witness described with another guy, right. who was holding things belonging to Mary Drake. Now. Rumors are rumors. I don't know anything about that. But Mary Drake's granddaughter knows what the item is. She's yeah. like, I don't know if it's been released or not, so I'm not going to say, but there was an item that, that they had possession of that was hers. The lady thought that the one person matched the description, and that's kind of the sum of what we heard. I'm not going to say what it is because it hasn't been released yet. Yeah. So, I mean, is that official information? Like, I mean, and did the director want to ask the cops about it? It's all very infuriating. It's all very infuriating. So this was all in 2002. Yeah. We jumped to 2007, five years later. The cops release photos of someone. Yeah. And the photos are matching this one description we have, six foot, whatever. Now... It matches this person to a T, being like six foot two or whatever, with the ratty hair sticking out of a hat, yeah. white guy, wa- six wearing, one, 175 sa- wearing the same clothes. I'm like, this. Ha- they put the sketch and the image of the guy side by side. The guy, the image of the guy comes from the surveillance video of the smoke shop, which is next door to the bakery. Right. It's like, this has to be the fucking guy. Now, they showed all this footage, the footage of the smoke shop, to the witness. Yeah. And the witness is like, you need to find out who that guy is immediately. Yes. Guess what? Guess what? The guy in the photo calls the cops and he's like, hi, it's me. You know that photo you've been putting all over town? That looks exactly like the sketch of the guy that the witness saw with the blood on his shoes. Yeah, I'm not a murderer. So can we talk? Like, I don't want to be blamed for something I didn't do and kindly please stop accusing me of a double murder. Yeah, I don't know about that. So he is adamant. He comes forward to the cops. So Aaron, the filmmaker, asks Dean, the cop, about this, who's here with us today, who says everything was absolutely perfect at the crime scene. And Dean, the cop's like, I don't know. And Dean is acting <laughs> like it, this is not that big a deal. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel that it is a very big deal. Yeah. And he's like, I don't. Did anything come of that? Hey, Carol, did anything come of the guy who looked exactly like the description? But the other thing about this is that it took. So the crime happened in 2002. We are learning this information in what year? What is this coming out in 2007? Because it sat in a box. They just let it sit. They just didn't do it. It was one of those things like, why the hell are you not? Why in the hell are you not? They hadn't had a chance to go through it. And I kept saying, give me the damn tapes. I'll sit in front of a freaking monitor like we did in school and I'll watch the damn things. They just didn't watch it. It was sitting there on a shelf for five years and they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Why? I know. Why? It's the security video from the business that shares a wall where this double murder happened. And then when they looked at the video, they found a guy who looked exactly like the guy the witness described leaving the bakery with blood on his shoes. Right. And Amy, who worked at the smoke shop, heard all these suspicious noises. Yeah. So... But they just left it there on the shelf. I will never understand. Like, why? So this is why when the family's like, it has to be a cover-up, right. that this lends a little bit of weight to that because 
Why would they not just, why would they not just, why? And why wouldn't they look through the car? But then it's like, why, if you're not looking through the car, why are you giving it back to Mandy's mom with this this thing in it that like really could point to someone? And it's like, are you just stupid? I know. And incompetent? Or you just don't care. Like, you just don't care. But remember, this guy, the one that was seen on the video from the smoke shop, he has come forward. And now the director of the documentary is trying to get everyone to tell him who the guy is so he can go talk to the guy and investigate him himself. Nobody will tell him. Now, the director of this is like, who is this guy? then what's yeah. his name i don't know and all the family like mandy's family and mary's family they're like you got to get the name of that guy yes. you have to get the, the name of this guy and aaron's yes. like you goddamn right i do so he calls the police station he wants to speak to casey hubbard who's like in charge oh, of this whole thing right and i gotta tell you though like the way that he calls he like sets up the shot and he's course. like he's making a documentary but, it, but he's not like he doesn't it feels very much like he like called 411 to get the number for the local police yes, precinct. What happened. Like he did nothing to like prepare them for the fact that he was making it like, you know what I mean? But they know he's sniffing around uh-huh. because what happens is the receptionist is like, hi, I do apologize, but unfortunately he's not, he's not interested in, in speaking with you. Oh, gotcha. I mean, is he even aware of what the project is about? Confused. Um, well, to be completely honest, I said your name and he flat out said, no, he's not interested and told me to tell you that he's not interested. I apologize, sir. Thank Uh, you. No, not your fault. Thanks. Yeah, I told him your name, and the second he heard your name, he said he's not interested. Bye, click. Yeah. Like, as Aaron's like, whoa, 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 wait. So I think whether he did that for the documentary or not, it's still pretty telling to me. So Aaron finally gets the cops to admit, like, that we didn't, lo- we didn't look at this video for all this time. Like, yeah. I don't know why we didn't do that. Like, no answer. And they assure Aaron, we get this on screen text, they assured me that the man that came forward was questioned, and they had every reason to believe this was not their guy, and, he, and they declined to provide his name. What happens is the guy who Aaron is looking for reaches out to Aaron. We don't know how he even knew that Aaron was looking for him, but the guy sends Aaron a Facebook message, and his name is Tim Moore. Right, and he's the guy on the smoke shop tape who matches the description from the witness. And now we see a picture of him now compared to the smoke shop tape. It's definitely the same Like, I'd be shocked if it's not him. Yes. So here's what Tim Moore says about the night of the murders. He rode his bike to the smoke shop to get cigarettes. He was there several times a week. Not every day, but he was at the smoke shop a lot. His girlfriend worked at Walmart nearby and she was closing that night. So Tim picks her up at work. They drive down Harrison Street. Okay. It goes north, northeast, yes. right across the railroad tracks. Through <laughs> the diagonal railroad tracks. Um, they see cops all over the place. Blue lights and shit all over by that store. We didn't find out until the next day what had happened. Then I ended up moving to North Flat later on and my son called me. He called me up and he said, Dad, are your pictures all over the internet? What? Sure shit, it's me. So I called Brickman Police Department and I'm like, what is up with this? I have to call the police right now and discuss this. Yes. And he's like, my photo's all over the news. They think I did this. Again, they're not releasing his name. Right. But he's like, I gotta get ahead of this. Also, if you're gonna get ahead of being accused of murder, call a lawyer. Yes. Yes. And friendly so- advice from me to you. The cops drive out there to meet this Tim Moore guy. They give him a polygraph, which he says he passes with flying colors. He was reluctant to do it, but he does it anyway. But, and you know what? Good on you for being reluctant, Tim. I don't think I would do it. You know what I mean? No, like, I wouldn't. Knowing that I didn't commit the murder, I still don't think I would do They're it. All, my ADHD medication raises my heart rate. Yeah. I'm fucked. It yeah. doesn't matter. Like, I'm not I'm not taking a polygraph. You have no. it here first. On the record, I'm not doing it. And I'm preemptively calling my lawyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> call me now. I'm Give calling, me I'm calling, I'm calling a lawyer. I don't have one, but I'm calling them. <laughs> but Tim Moore says to us that the cops said to him, we just wanted to clear you. We didn't think you did this. And we have other suspects in mind. And away they went. Okay. I know. So Dilton Myers, which sounds like a fake name. Can I, before we talk about Dilton. Yeah. Tim is still on my suspect list. Yeah. He looks exactly, and I mean exactly down to the outfit, what the man was wearing who was walking out of the bakery, which shared a wall with the store that he was just at with blood on his shoes. Yeah, but where's the other evidence? I know. The cops fucked it up that right. we don't have any. Yeah. So like if he passed the polygraph, but it is weird that the cops and also Tim is telling us this. I don't know if the cops actually said right. we have other suspects or not. We and don't know. Also the cops not knowing that the director was going to find the guy or like he was fully vetted as though they sat him down for hours, checked his alibi. Right. All they did was give him a polygraph. But remember Dean from before is like, I don't remember anything about that guy. Yes. But I assure you we did everything perfectly. I'm like, Dean. <laughs> There's this other guy, Dilton Myers. Yeah. His aunt was the manager of Dolly Madison Bakery in the 90s. Yeah. And he also ended up working there. Uh-huh. And he, the thing about Dilton, <laughs> Dilton is that he was teaching people how to rob the bakery. Yeah. And we know that because Connie's here. Dilton is a friend of Connie's ex-husband. And like Connie's ex-husband is a guy that Dilton taught how to steal from the bakery. Right. And Connie's friends with Mandy. So yes. she knows everything. Right. So here's what how Connie explains it to us, how Dilton... Ex- or her ex-husband or whatever. This is how the plan was explained to Connie <laughs> and Connie's here to tell us all about it. So during a shift change, the employees of Dolly Madison would like count the money and put the money in the bag underneath the register. They're like closing out the register at the end of the shift. Right. Yeah. So the plan is you go in there. If you want to rob Dolly Madison, according to Dilton, this is the foolproof plan <laughs> how to do it. He told Roy to walk around the store, find what was not stocked and ask if they had it in the back and they would go back, look, and at the time they were looking, you grab the bag and either you leave or you wait because chances are they wouldn't notice it until after you're gone. Chances are they won't notice the bag is missing until much later. Yes. I don't hear any murder involved in these no. plans, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, but, and it's but, not like, but if you only get 30 bucks, you kill everyone in the place. Like, that's not part of this plan. Just don't rob the store. Because we <sighs> learned that Roy, the husband of Connie, robbed the store on a Saturday and he kept all the cash. But there is very little cash when you rob a bakery because it's mostly checks and credit cards receipts. And now all of the money that he got from all of these times he was going around robbing joints yeah. is like buried in a field near their house. And Connie knows exactly where. No. It's five feet north of the ugly trees. <laughs> now, this this money was, or whatever it was, was buried in this field in like 1995. It was buried like 20 years ago. But what he's burying is the checks and credit card receipts. I know, like, I know. just burn it? I know. Why are you burying evidence on your own property five feet north of the ugly trees? More than that, the director was like, I have a metal detector. Let's go see if we can find it and dig it up. This will get us absolutely nowhere in the murder investigation. Right. There's me, no reason to do this. Let me ask a question, though. Were people really using a lot of checks yes. at the bakery? Oh, yes, yes. When I was at, at, the, at this time, I was a... In the um, 90s? Yes, in 1996, I was a checkout guy at the Stop and Shop, and it, almost every transaction was checks. Really? Yeah, okay. you had to, and you had to take their licenses and write down their licenses number at the top of the, I mean, there were so many checks in the late 90s. Wow. Yes. Okay. Great. I, I believe there were also credit cards, but it was many, many checks. Very little cash. 
Right. I remember seeing sign like that the signs that were phased out where it's like you need an ID if you want to pay with it. But I remember yeah. even like when I started noticing those, I was like, who's paying with a check? Yeah, I know. Like, who no. has like a check? Checks are anymore? like my grandmother had a checkbook. I know. Checks are. I don't even know. I guess I did have checks at some point. Checks are like I'm older than you, and checks are older than me. But the people that were using checks at the grocery store that I worked at were like the older people who were just the re- same people. Change. Yeah, and the same people who'd be going to a bakery. You know what I mean? Like to Love. pick up like loaves of bread. Love. <laughs> bakeries are, are for everybody. Shit. Bakeries are a safe space. They're for everybody. So, but the point is, they drag their asses out to this field with a metal detector to try to dig up this bag from 1995, which of course they don't find. And even if they did, it wouldn't matter. Because because Aaron's like doing some Columbo work here. Because but for what? What is this going to tell them about the murders? I, here's the thing. So Aaron is able to get the police reports for 10 years before the murders and yeah. look at what was happening. The bakery seemed to be a targeted location throughout the 90s that got robbed over and over and over again. And it's a little bit strange to me that they never installed cameras considering how much this was happening. Like, there it is. You see it like money bag stolen, April 22nd, 1995. Get a better way to put the bag in the safe, everybody. And so, like, remember how Connie said there was barely any cash? The report says 36 bucks. Exactly. So the point that they're trying to say is that, like... This was a hotbed for criminal activity. Sure. And like, that is that, that is actually a really good point, but th- it is not a well-made point here at all. Because Aaron is just trying to do documentary magic where he's going to like dig up a bag from 25 years ago, and it's for no reason. And they find what they think is a zipper, and it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, no, but you're right. The point they're trying to make here is that like it was actually a really— It was a uns- target. It was a target. It was an unsafe place to work because people were going in there to rob it all the time, thanks to fucking Dilton. But it's weird that they never installed cameras because if you're such a target— Right. Like— I don't know. No, I couldn't agree more. Now, we're here with Reggie, and Reggie is the guy who cleaned up the murder scene. Oof. And he's like, I have to tell you. There are people who do that. There are companies whose, like, the actual job they do is clean up after murder scenes. Like, I I mean, we need people to do it. I just can't imagine. And Reggie's like, I have to tell you, like, when I got there, the bodies were already removed the crime scene was fully processed. And so we're going through the crime scene with Reggie. Aaron is not showing us the photos, and we thank him for that. Thank God. I could have used some more on-screen text with some dates, but thank you uh, very, 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 very much for not showing us these photos. Yeah. We don't need it. Thank no, you. Yeah. So, like, they're going through it with Reggie now because Reggie is seeing this for the first time because Mandy and Mary's bodies were not there when Reggie was there to clean it up. Right. So he's trying to use all of the information he has and all of his experience to see the crime scene as it was before he got there. Yeah. Yeah, and we learn about the crime scene. Somebody went there for a purpose, not for Mandy or Mary. Mary was just a customer that happened along. Nobody knew Mandy was working there. Mary Drake walked in. Right, like Like as a customer. I mean, like during the robbery, like what a short window. There was blood in the bathroom indicating that the killer had tried to clean up, and the investigators took the knobs off the sink for evidence but left the rest of the sink. And Reggie's saying, like, there's no way that this guy could have cleaned up enough to walk away without blood on him. And I was like, yeah, we have a trail of blood leading to a car that nobody ever tested and just, like, hosed down and cleaned. But you would think, unless it was a change of clothes, that he would have been covered in Mandy's blood. Yeah, it seems like you would have to have some kind of plan, like, this was going to go as badly as it did. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I mean, like... I don't 
think that is the case. Not to be gruesome about it, but like stabbing death does not seem particularly fast. You would think that the women would have been screaming. Yeah. And Amy next door didn't hear anything. Right. But like Reggie's like, there there was evidence here at one point. Yeah. There was stuff that they could have taken and tested and tested in a timely manner, not just leaving a video on the shelf for five years. I'm just thinking out loud as to why this crime scene was handled so badly. So I'm not making any excuses or, or saying anything is okay. I just wonder if small town cop operations like this have absolutely no idea what to do in a situation like this. But like Reggie is saying that the cops didn't keep a lot of things that could have been tested, like yeah. items that had blood all over them because he's looking at the photos. Yeah. He's like, these don't match with my records. Like we don't have any of this. The cops not only didn't take them, not only didn't test them, but they threw them out. Right. Which is like, what? Why? That, that that is that is not like oh we're new here like no 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 yeah. you have a fucking job to do do yeah. not throw out and it's like, 2002 like we're far enough along with DNA that we know to collect evidence it's not like tested. you guys it was the 70s right. like they didn't have cell phones then we have to remember where we were it was 2002 because we're also saying remember the bodies were in the back office and so like because it's a, a, a smaller enclosed space there was blood all over paperwork and clipboards and remember when you said clipboards and yes, I told yes. you that yeah there was clipboards yeah that's because we were throwing the clipboards away wow this is paperwork with blood all over and yeah. that just got thrown away. All of that evidence was thrown away. Right. Like they bought and Reggie's like, they botched it from the beginning. They didn't test any evidence. They contaminated the crime scene. They didn't even try to get fingerprints. Like, right. what are we doing here? I know. I know. And then we get that former police officer with the voice alteration. Yeah. Who's saying that the rumor has always been that the cops know who it is, but they handled the scene so badly that yeah. they'll never be able to prove it. But like be a hero now. This I know. is what I say this like in a lot of cases, like the West Memphis three case, West Memphis six case, I should say. Like, someone has to be a hero now. I know. Not everyone, the old guard has to have some fucking turnover. It's yeah. been so long. Can't some young whippersnapper come in and be a hero? And just say. And test it and be I like, know. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's September 2nd, 2022, and it's two days before the anniversary that we learned from Kim Goldman. Yep, the 20th. So the KBI and the cops announced that they like have this new evidence, and they're going to announce all this new evidence on September 6th. And it's a big deal because there hasn't been new evidence in the case in like a decade. And I'm like, alright, dazzle me. Yeah. What do you have? Me and the families and the friends are like, what? dazzle me. This this better be good. And like the families show up for this press conference with fucking lawn chairs. They're ready to go. Yeah. And the big new information is that they found male DNA on one of the victims, but it can only be used in a direct comparison. Meaning if they have a suspect, they can test the DNA against that person, but they can't search it for a match. Exactly. Awesome. Right. Fantastic. So, and I'm like, you're just doing this because a documentary was being made. Exactly. Like, And Desiree, the sister is just saying like, they've, always had this information. This is not new information. This is not new information. Yeah. And now the family's fighting with the cops. I mean, it's wild because the cops are taking questions at the at the press conference. And like, you know, w when we're recording this, we just released our episode with Julie Murray where she was yes. talking about uh, approaching uh, like true crime with empathy. And she's saying like, just treat me like a human being. Like, uh -huh. I just want to be treated like a human being. And that is what Desiree is screaming at the cops. Yes. There's certain details that we're not ever going to be able to say. We don't expect detail by detail by detail, but we would rather hear you pick up the phone and tell us. We don't really have any new information to give you, but we want you to know that we care and we are still here, then to hear nothing at all from you. Do you understand what that feels like? Well, you may, you can come to our office and visit with us anytime you uh, When we pick up the phone to reach out to you, then you'll be treated like we're doing on your shoe.
Just treat us like people. And she's saying, like, why am I learning about new information on Facebook? Right. Why aren't you communicating with us? If there's new information that you're doing a press conference about, tell us. Yeah. You know, like, and then the, the answer is, well, you can always come down to our office. Woof. I know. Like, she, this has been 20 years. I know. And you're, and it's a nothing burger. This isn't new information at all. You're doing this to save face. Yeah. For a documentary. And it also just seems like these cops get no training as to how to talk to families. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so, like, everyone sitting here who's talking to Aaron, the friends and family and the journalists are like, this was or could have been a totally solvable case. It just seems like so, like, like this bumbling idiot in a small town who kills two people in broad daylight. How yeah. is this not the easiest solved case in the world? And the families are like, someone has to know something. And one of Mandy's friends are like, that canary needs to sing. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God. So it, we're, it ends, and it just ends with like, if you have any information, please call 1-800-KS-CRIME. Because people are saying like, someone has to know something. Yes. So I Google. <gasps> is there information? Not exactly. Okay. So, so as of September 2023, Aaron, the director, spoke to K-A-K-E, like a news station. Cake. Cake. <laughs> it's true. I was like, what kind of Cake. website is this? No, oh it was yeah, the news yeah. station. He said that since the airing of the documentary, he said several people reach out to him with names of people that they truly believe are involved. And he immediately sent the information over to the authorities. But the thing is, he added that some of the names provided were repeated names from different sources. Oh, wow. So people who don't know each other are calling and giving the same information. And he's just passing it along. And he's passing it along. And he says that like a lot of the feedback he got from the documentary is saying that you know this obviously could have been solved if it was handled better by law enforcement wow. but people are calling like people are reaching out and there are the same names that are popping up so it's just up to the cops to actually do something about yes. it and then maybe we can get some justice for Mandy and Mary oh girl we did what's it called it's called the Dolly Madison murders oh my god Fam, so many things happening on Patreon and in the Facebook groups. Sunday nights, I am doing watch parties for that week's upcoming Patreon episode. Okay, great. So right now we're in the throes of Natalia Grace. Join me Sunday night at 7.30 in the Facebook group. It's really easy to join into the chat. And then I, I send out a Zoom link after so we can all talk. Amazing. Hundreds of people are coming. Patreon, for at the $5 tier and above, we're doing drag bingo every month. We're doing happy hours. We're bringing people like magicians in and cocktail makers. And <laughs> we're just really trying to get together with the fam and see people. But then in addition to all of that, you get all of the ad-free bonus episodes. There's like over 400 to download events right now, yes. including Love is One. Yeah, Natalia Grace and The 12th Victim we just did, which yeah. is amazing. So it's all the episodes that you get on the regular feed ad-free and then also like additional bonus stuff like yes. all the series that we're doing. Very soon, fam, in March, in like a week from now, I'm back out on the road. I'm coming with my traveling book party for my final five shows of this production. I'm coming to Columbus, Red Bank, New Jersey, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, and Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. Please, please come and see me. Come hang out with the fam. What are we doing next? We are doing The Last After Party, The Murder of Joey Caminale. It's called The Last After Party? It's an episode of that show New York Homicide that we love. Oh my god. That we think is very respectful and victim-based. It is not our last after party. It is no. called The Last but After it's Party. it's called, yeah. Oh my god. Alright, great. Yeah. Well fam, stay tuned for the trailer for that and our funny and hilarious outtakes and oh we love god. you. Yeah, be careful of diagonal railroad Trains. It's tracks. a bad city planning. Oh my god. Okay, bye. Bye. Good luck out there. Goodbye. <laughs> A beloved son goes missing after a night out with friends. I kept calling him and calling him, calling him. No answer. Not typical. You know, not to hear from him. We were having a great time. A ton of friends, smiling, laughing. That is what I remember from that night. Joey gives me the phone. That's how we end up getting separated. 
and ends in an after party with strangers. They were drinking hard. They said uh, Joey was very out of it. One of whom has a secret identity and a dark past. And it was a surprise to find out this one person, he wasn't who he was posing to be. He was somebody completely different. kind of cheese or is that Stilton? What is, is there a new cheese I'm learning about? <laughs> is Stilton Hold is on a second. <laughs> is that a, I think it's Stilton. You know what? I think it's, it's not Dilton. It's what Stilton. What kind of cheese is it? Oh, I'm going to go with a blue. I think it's a blue. Is it like hard and sticky? Um, probably. Okay, not into it. Okay, great. But enjoy it. More for everyone, everyone who yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Absolutely. Closing, closing was my least. It, of made, course. it stressed me out so much. I hated it. I know. It, it made me so anxious because I know I'm not great with math. Uh-huh. So and then I oh I knew that it was like a bit. I just hated it. It just it made me anxious. I know. It's hard. I was like I'm screwing every food service is the hardest jobs. The building's about to explode. I, I know. know it. If I don't <laughs> do this right, I know. I know it. We're Something, all gonna die. Like seriously, like MacGruber style. Yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> 